Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, this is the Soul Anchor Podcast, and I am your host, Vidal Moreno. In the Soul Anchor Podcast, we seek to anchor our faith in the truths of the Bible while we sail across the sea seeking adventures where they can be found. We are in the midst of what I consider the most important series I have ever taught. It is called Saving Truth, and it is based on a book by the same title written by Abdu Murray. It is so important because of its explanatory power. I have been bewildered by our culture's decay in the last few years, and this book has helped me understand the origins of the demise. Last episode, we discussed how our culture has exchanged freedom for autonomy. It is our obsession with autonomy that has gotten us to this point. Somehow, we have forgotten what true freedom is. In this episode, Murray will help us understand what freedom is. We need to understand how the medicine works if we are to take it effectively. The post-truth culture of confusion is nothing new. It was birthed in the Garden of Eden, and it can be found throughout history and throughout societies. Jesus himself confronted it in his ministry. In John 8.32, Jesus repudiated the mindset of the Pharisees. Jesus said, quote, You will know the truth and the truth will set you free, unquote. He was telling his listeners that if they were to protect themselves from the lies of the world, it was truth that provided that protection. In this statement, we see freedom as the initial condition necessary to pursue truth. As we saw in the Jesus Skeptic series, when Westerners were given the academic freedom to explore and pursue scientific philosophical, social, and religious truths, amazing things happened. Lives were saved, and mankind progressed. As every parent knows, one of the best ways to learn how the world works is through the freedom to singe our fingers in the fire a little. We need to be careful when we feel the need for freedom in order to discover truths. Before that can happen, we must recognize that there is an objective truth out there to pursue. According to Jesus, truth and freedom are always connected. Any attempt to separate them diminishes our ability to enjoy either. Our recognition that there are objective truths to be discovered leads to the freedom to discover them. They are interconnected. This was Plato's lifelong obsession, if you remember your freshman philosophy class. In time, our discoveries give us greater freedom to pursue yet more truth. So in review, the first step to this process is to recognize that there are truths out there that do not depend on the opinions and preferences that we so highly exalt today. Getting back to Jesus. 
he goes on to make an astonishing statement that if he, the Son, sets us free, we will be free indeed. In other words, Jesus claims to be the very truth that sets us free. Notice that he doesn't claim to have the truth that sets us free. He claims to be the truth that sets us free. Okay, so we have used the word freedom repeatedly. But like autonomy, that word has more layers to it than we realize. It is a complex concept. So those who would guard freedom with care must regard freedom with respect. To understand what it means to be free, we need to appreciate all of freedom's facets. According to philosopher Isaiah Berlin, quote, negative freedom is the freedom from interference and constraint, unquote. I have the freedom from the government telling me who I can marry and what I can do as a career. When we think about freedom, this is what we usually think of. If you just focus on this facet of freedom alone, then it will dangerously resemble the autonomy that leads to chaos. What's needed in addition to negative freedom is positive freedom, which is, quote, freedom for excellence according to whatever vision and ideals define that excellence, unquote. I have the freedom to tell my neighbor about Christ. I have the freedom to pay for my grandchild's education. I have the freedom to meet with other believers. Negative freedom and positive freedom go hand in hand. We need freedom from unnecessary restraints and interference so that we can exercise freedom for acting in the interests of the greater ideal. But that ideal must operate as our self imposed restraint, keeping us from abusing our negative freedom. In other words, positive freedom is the ability to do not just what we want, but what we should. Therefore, if freedom is to work, we need truths that are outside of us. It is critical to positive freedom because it tells us what we must do with our freedom. In America, as well as most Western countries, liberals or progressives view freedom as freedom from others imposing their ideals on us, and conservatives view freedom from government interference. This emphasis on negative freedom from both camps is paradoxical because our emphasis deprives us of that which made Western civilization societal triumphs so innovative in human history. Simply put, focusing on freedom from restraint encourages a sort of narcissistic obsession with ourselves and the fulfillment of our private desires. Don't tread on me. Leave me alone. Do not interfere with me. That kind of shallow freedom doesn't inspire us to do what is best for others or to act in the interest of the common good. In fact, it goes further than that. In our obsession with negative freedom, we no longer want the ability to do whatever we want without restraint. We want the ability to be whatever we want without restraint. 
Whenever humanity has coupled our love of negative freedom to our need for positive freedom, tremendous public good has resulted. As philosopher Os Guinness says, quote, from the banning of infanticide to the abolition of slavery to the civil rights movement, none of the great liberal reforms of the West could have succeeded on the basis of negative freedom alone, and none will be launched on such a basis in the future, unquote. William Wilberforce and Martin Luther King Jr. and Susan B. Anthony were not satisfied with the fact that their Western societies left them alone. They wanted to use the freedom that they had to improve the conditions of their fellow man. This must not be ignored. Positive freedom to pursue true ideals gave birth to the great movements that restored negative freedom to the disenfranchised and abused. We can already see how our idol of negative freedom has begun to eat up our lives, can't we? We have the freedom to indulge in any sexual act we want with almost whomever we want, only to get shackled to medications or plagued by harmful relationships. We see many movies that tell the story of an oppressed group of people throwing off their shackles and gaining freedom. Isn't it interesting that we seldom see movies focused on what it takes to maintain freedom or to establish a system of government that properly orders it? We spend so much time inventing new negative freedoms to win that we don't pause to think about what life should be like once we have them. John Adams once wrote this insightful letter to his wife, Abigail Adams. Quote, I must study politics and war that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy and geography and natural history, naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture in order to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, architecture, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain, unquote. Murray says, quote, but the effort to subdue our own passions and preferences and submit to the facts of reality and the moral truths of what we ought to do is just as daunting and heroic. In fact, I'd say it's even more heroic because it requires us to forsake the glamour of limitless negative freedom, unquote. We need the negative freedom from unnecessary outside restraints, but we also need boundaries and borders so that we can be free for the greater good. The paradox we have to wrestle with is that freedom, to be truly life-affirming, must be bound by the moral restraint to act for the benefit of others as well as ourselves. When you consider that a Bible-believing Christian has a moral code based on the Bible, our freedom of speech in the West must be restrained by our God-given command to love our enemies. Just because I have the right to say what I want does not mean that I should. As philosopher Os Guinness puts it, 
Quote, the only restraint that does not contradict freedom is self-restraint. This is a major reason why the Bible is viewed with increasing hostility in the West. Unquote. The American founding fathers believed and wrote that the only way their fledgling country would work was if the citizens were moral. In other words, these freedoms they were being given would have to be tempered with restraint. Unfortunately, this moral code, this restraint, is now considered immoral by our culture. The Judeo-Christian ethic that mandates sexuality for the marriage bed, the marriage bed that is shared by a biological man and a biological woman, is no longer being ignored by our culture. It is being assaulted and called evil. But our freedom from restraint isn't a virtue. It is a morally neutral state of being. Our veterans and honored dead did not make their sacrifice simply for our freedom from restraint. Negative freedom. They also sacrificed for our freedom to live the virtuous life. Positive freedom. A clear understanding of freedom allows us to act with the divine image of God of other human beings in mind. We can only be sacred beings if our value comes from God, the source who transcends human opinion. G.K. Chesterton explains why. Quote, The moment you step into the world of facts, you step into a world of limits. You can free things from alien or accidental laws, but not from the laws of their own nature. You may, if you like, free a tiger from his bars, but you do not free him from his stripes. Do not free a camel of the burden of his hump. You may be freeing him from being a camel. Unquote. We now want to be free from any restrictions on what we can be, not just what we can do. That isn't a real freedom if what we want to be doesn't line up with the reality of what we are. But if the statistics are to be taken at all seriously, the hard reality is that for most people, unbounded freedom results in emotional and spiritual enslavement. Westerners are a sad and depressed people. Reality is full of limitations. No amount of desire or drive can alter the reality or remove those boundaries. We may remove social boundaries, just as we might free a tiger from his cage, but we can no more free ourselves from our nature as humans, male or female, than we can a tiger from his stripes or a camel from his hump. If we barrel through the boundaries of what we are, we may free ourselves of what we were meant to be in the first place. The hard reality is that for most people, unbounded freedom results in emotional and spiritual enslavement. Contrary to contemporary belief, the Bible doesn't set up arbitrary boundaries to oppose our freedom. Its boundaries favor our fulfillment. This is a common theme in the Bible. When the Israelites lived within the boundaries that God had set for their freedom, they were happy, prosperous, and secure. 
In the New Testament, we find the book of Acts where the disciples wrestle with what it means to have had the Old Testament law and yet enjoy the freedom that comes through Jesus' fulfillment of the law. From the letters of Paul, Peter, James, Jude, John, and others, we learn how our spiritual freedom ought to be put into practice and how that freedom can be sustained without developing into bedlam. God knows us through and through. He knows that it is our nature to focus too narrowly and to go too far even with things He has blessed us with. In Galatians 5, 13-15, Paul tells us, quote, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, quote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, unquote. In this passage, Paul tells us about the need to self-restrain our negative freedom so that we can act in the each other's best interest, which is positive freedom. Freedom becomes clear when we recognize that God is freedom's unchanging source. America's founding fathers realized that if they were to found her guiding principles on their thoughts and preferences, then these documents would not be worth the paper they were written on. But if they were to founded on something, better yet, someone that transcends time, space, matter, and opinions, then the rights and freedoms they declared would have transcendent substance. A simple syllogism may help us here. Number one, the inalienable right to freedom exists only if God exists. Number two, the inalienable right to freedom exists. Number three, therefore, God exists. Liberty exists only if they have their foundation in God. The thirst for liberty must come from somewhere other than man. The alternative to God is that we got here naturally through evolution. But atheist Thomas Nagel admits that unguarded evolution can't even endow us with conscious power. How then can we ourselves give ourselves rights? Without God, the right to liberty simply doesn't exist. But the problem goes even deeper. If naturalism is true, if we're just complex chemical machines, then how do we actually have freedom, whether negative or positive? We don't make real choices. We just react to external stimuli based on our chemistry. We're just bags of chemicals. That would mean we have no responsibilities, no rights, and no real freedom. And if we have no free will, if our brains made us do it, we can't be praised for our heroism, nor blamed for our cowardice, people who believe they don't have free will are more likely to cheat on tests and lie. They are less likely to volunteer for socially responsible causes or give to aid the poor. The fascinating part is that if failing to believe in free will leads to indulging our darker side, then perhaps we do have free will after all. Consider this. Why would we resort 
to less moral behaviors once we've abandoned belief in free will? Why would our brain chemistry suddenly revert to selfish and less socially responsible behavior if we fail to believe in moral accountability? No, we have the right to freedom from human tyranny and freedom for the greater good, even for those with whom we disagree with, because we have objective moral obligations to God first and then to each other. As culture continues to cancel God, it manipulates our freedom from restraint into a freedom from criticism and discomfort. We can no longer tolerate being offended, so we have no obligation to afford freedom to someone who offends us. We can see that clearly going on today. Murray writes, quote, Our negative freedom from restraint must be bound by the truth that unfettered autonomy leads to chaos. Our positive freedom, our freedom for the greater good, must be bound by the truth that we can't forcibly coerce a good conscience into someone. Jesus tells us that he, the Son, will set us free. Jesus rose from the dead, and someone who rises from the dead has credibility. The gospel is rooted not in ideologies or ideas, but in identity, specifically Jesus' identity. May I add one more facet to freedom? The freedom Jesus is offering you and me is the freedom from our sins and the consequences they bring. We were designed for relationship with God. Augustine tells us that. That's why we human beings crave, covet, protect, and mourn the loss of relationships. And so freedom from sin is the added facet that's needed for freedom indeed. Freedom for the greater good plus freedom from sin equals freedom to be what we were meant to be, unquote. Mary Poplin, a former atheist, profoundly contrasts the shallow freedom she once sought without God with the profound freedom she has found in Christ. In fact, looking back, she sees the shallow freedom wasn't freedom at all. Quote, The paradox was that when I thought I was the most free, responsible, and reasonable, I was the least. I was a slave to my own desires and to the spirits that drove them. Real freedom is something altogether different. It starts on the inside. As martyrs and the persecuted have testified, we can have real freedom inside a prison wall. Unquote. In conclusion, Murray has this to say, quote, Our preferences about who and what we are and our opinions about the value of other people will ebb and flow. But if our dignity comes from a source outside ourselves, then it is truly inalienable. In that, we are free. In that truth, we have dignity. The confusion about who and what we are can find clarity. Unquote. Next week on the Soul Anchor Podcast, we will turn our attention toward the clarity about human dignity. What does it mean 
to bear the image of God? And how can truly understanding this concept help deal with this confusion problem? If you're enjoying the Soul Anchor podcast and would like to automatically receive the podcast every time I upload an episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Soul Anchor Podcast is also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Soul Anchor Podcast Facebook page has the complete transcript of this episode. Like the page so that you can receive notifications when I post information about these episodes. I invite all my listeners to message me on Facebook or email me at vidmore at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. I get very little feedback, and I would love to get some feedback, positive or negative. Getting back to the podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast, tell others about it and leave a five-star review because that will allow the podcast to get more recognition in the community. Till we meet again. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.